I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. So glad to have you with us this week. Have you ever wondered what your high school or college tennis player should be doing during the summer? It seems to be a question that I get asked a lot, and it's a point of conversation that happens on our Facebook group a lot. And so I thought it would be really cool to share with y'all a new summer tennis tour put together by USC former women's assistant coach Wes Knott. And West is going to be talking about this new West Coast tennis tour and how you can get involved. And he has graciously offered a really nice discount to the Parenting Aces community. So I hope you will enjoy hearing about what West is up to and take advantage of this great opportunity for your junior or college player this summer. So without further ado, Please enjoy this week's podcast with West Knott. West Knott, thanks so much for joining us on the Parenting Aces podcast. So glad to have you. Nice to be here with you this morning, too. So before we jump into the meat of the conversation, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit of background info on your life in tennis. Well, I think I've been pretty lucky uh, as a young person. I, you know, just graduated from college. I, I'm, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was dabbling in a few projects uh, about 11 years ago. And uh, I ran into uh, the one of the guys who worked for the ITA, uh, Casey Angle, and he was telling me about this job opening up at USC. And I really wasn't interested, actually. I was at the NCAA championships just watching John Isner play Kevin Anderson and uh, Samdev Devarman. I was just enjoying that. I really wasn't thinking about entering into the world of college tennis, but he kept telling me about this guy, Richard Galleon, and who's the head coach at USC, and he was looking to replace Howard Joffe, uh, who's now the current head coach at the University of Texas. And uh, I also knew Peter Smith a little bit because I was running a, a tennis blog called Underground Tennis. And Basically, the focus was on junior and college tennis. And I think through that, uh, I, I, I shook Richard's hand and, and we hit it off right away. And next thing you know, I was coaching at USC for the last 10 years alongside Richard. I just had a complete blast. Um, before that, I played uh, at Georgia Tech. I played one year at the University of Florida and then my final three years at Georgia Tech. And before that, I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, uh, you know, played all over the country. It was a top-ranked junior, uh, and it was just super fun. The, the whole thing has just been a blast and a blur uh, all at once, and I've learned a ton. I mean, gosh, I, I, when you're 23, you think you know a lot, and then you just realize now you, you, you don't know that much, and it really humbles <laughs> you, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But, uh, yeah, it's just a constant journey trying to, you know, figure out uh, how, how best to help other people and, and how to keep loving the sport. And that is a challenge. And I, so I want to just ask you about your 
kind of growing up years in tennis. And since the Parenting Aces audience is primarily made up of tennis parents, maybe ask you a little bit about your experience with your own parents and your tennis. How involved were they? What are some of the things they did well? And what are some of the things that you wish they might have done a little differently? Yeah, I don't think it's easy being a tennis parent because oftentimes as a tennis parent, you're going through it for the first time with your firstborn. And I and I was the oldest one. But I think they were also dealt a lucky hand because they also didn't know that I wanted to play tennis. They just have, you know, I grew up, my mom's from the Marshall Islands, which is a tiny uh, atoll in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, south of Guam, just north of the equator. And my dad's just a bald white guy from Wyoming. <laughs> and they met through the Peace Corps. Yeah, it, it just, you know, uh, interesting mix of people, but they hit it off and they're still together. But they uh, they met in the Peace Corps. And so then we moved out to the islands. I spent my entire childhood on this little island called Ponape in Micronesia. And so that's how I grew up playing tennis, because my parents would go to the courts, these two, you know, courts with uh, cracks in them, grass and just worn down. But they would hit with all the locals and the other uh, foreigners on the island, just playing this great game. And they were always laughing and enjoying playing doubles, just subbing in. There was always a line of people waiting. They'd bring beers. They would barbecue. And so I didn't have the chance to play with them, and I would just hit on the wall next to them. So that's kind of how I fell in love with the game because it it was totally by self-motivation because I I wanted to be like my parents. I wanted to copy, mimic what they were doing. So I'd hit on the wall, and I just kind of caught the bug from that. And uh, luckily, when I was 12 or uh, 11, I moved to the United States at sixth grade in Midland, Michigan. And my dad purposely tried to find a place with a great big tennis center. Uh, and, and there was a 16 indoor, 16 uh, outdoor courts. And it was just like heaven for me. So they would just drop me off. And I remember when they were house searching when we first moved to Midland, Michigan. And I just spent all day at the courts. And, you know, I just would watch all the other kids' lessons and then kind of like, act like it was my own lesson. I would just like mentally take notes and then go try to practice it hitting with other kids or on the ball machine or on the wall. So I was very self-motivated. I, and I think that's where my parents had a lucky hand, but as time went on, of course, um, expectations started to build up and, you know, they didn't know how to manage me because I was so competitive and, you know, maybe my attitude was bad half the times I lost and, you know, they just didn't know what to do with me. And, uh, so I, I think it was a constant challenge. I don't think anyone really has it figured out. Even people who have 50 years of experience, you know, still don't know what to tell young people. It's just, I think it's constantly evolving and, and that's what makes the sport so challenging and so fun. Uh, but the one thing I would say about parents that uh, does make it uh, really beneficial for a young person is just to be as stable and level-headed as possible, not get too excited if someone has a great result and also just not get negative uh, when someone has a poor result. I understand tennis lessons are expensive. Uh, I was lucky enough to have one private lesson every two weeks. And, and, I, and I really valued that lesson. It, it, I looked forward to it so much. I remember I'd be jump roping 20 minutes before the lesson just to make sure I was warm enough and I was going to be ready to go right at you know 7 p.m. if that was my private lesson for that one hour. That was all I got. And then I got three uh, group lessons a week. So I just cherished every moment I had on the court. I knew it was a limited thing, especially with indoor courts. 
Um, I didn't really care too much about who I was hitting with. I, uh, I wrote a article on tennis recruiting.net in 2012 called 500 sets a year. And really that's kind of a segue into like what I really believe in my philosophy is just getting more people to compete with each other. I figure if you play 10 sets a week, uh, 50 weeks out of the year, take two weeks off, that's 500 sets. And you know, that kid's probably going to do better. Um, and a kid only playing 50 sets a year or 100 sets a year and just doing cross courts all day. And there's nothing wrong with doing cross courts. There's nothing wrong with doing drilling. I do that stuff every single day, even with the kids I work with. But I still think there's a huge room for people to go out and compete. And that's one of the things that just naturally came to me. I was always kind of trash talking, maybe doing a little side bet with a kid or just challenging myself if I could beat someone 6-0. Uh, could I beat him 6-0 in a different way? Could I beat him 6-0 by just serving and volleying? Could I beat him 6-0 chipping and charging? Or can I mimic a player that I saw uh, on videotape? Could I play like Sampras? Could I play like Agassi? And these are the things that just made me uh, fall in love with the sport. No coach told me to do that. Uh, my parents didn't tell me to do that. In fact, my parents would say, hey, let's not go play tennis today. So uh, I think they had a different set of problems than maybe what other parents have, maybe trying to motivate their kids. The motivation was never an issue for me. So, uh, but yeah, they, I don't think anyone's perfect, but I think they did a pretty good job. That's great to hear. And as a former college coach, I know my audience is always starving for information about what are college coaches looking for during the recruiting process. You coached at USC on the women's side. And maybe you can give us a little insight about what you looked for in a player. Yeah, I think uh, every college coach is different and every player is different. And I think you got to go with as a coach with what fits your philosophy and, and what you're looking for in my particular case. And, and maybe it's, it's uh, very consistent with what, the, what other top college coaches are looking for. But what I valued the most was, uh, maturity, like how you were uh, in a stressful situation. Um, also, just how you conducted yourself. Like, did you conduct yourself with class? Um, you know, did you have a sense of uh, balance in your life? Like, were you self-motivated? I mean, these are all qualities that any any reasonable person would want in a human being. I was trying to search for those things, but it's not that easy to find when, um, you know, there's a limited quantity of good players. And if you want to win a national championship or reach a final four, there aren't 30 of these kids running around. The reality is there's only maybe 10 or less that can truly help your team try to get the big enchilada. And so for me, that was just a constant battle. Like, do we take more talent, but less character? Do we take more character, less talent? You know, very often, very few times would you have a slam dunk where it was like, oh my gosh, we have great character and we have great talent and they do everything right. Like that just, that just doesn't exist. And so that was a constant, constant tug of war for me mentally. Just, you know, what do we do? Because on the girls side, it's even trickier because a lot of the girls are taking unofficial visits starting freshman, sophomore year and verbally committing their junior year. And uh, oftentimes we would, you know, feel the pressure because, you know, Stanford, Duke, Florida, Georgia, UCLA in our backyard, like everyone's competing really, really hard. And, you know, it's like everyone's trying to jump on the same five kids and then the same 10 kids. And, you know, you're just trying to get a piece of the action so you don't slip too far in talent. Uh, because I do believe for every 
you know, uh, bona fide stud you do get, that could be worth a thousand private lessons, you know, uh, that sometimes there is the Grand Canyon gap in talent. Uh, but I would say if I could do it all over again, and one thing I would definitely focus on to the nth degree is just maturity and just uh, character. I, I think that's really, really important. Uh, and, and really, you know, uh, being consistent with that in all your picks, which is not easy to do because we just have a sometimes a lack of information uh, to, to make the best choices. But I think everyone's trying to do the same thing. And sometimes I think, honestly, you get lucky. I think some of our teams that, you know, won the Pac-12, we, I think we won the Pac-12 championship four times and uh, reached number one in 2015, made two Final Fours. And those type of teams, honestly, were just a fluke. I mean, I was a young person. You know, a lot of these people committed early. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, they committed. And I, it, it wasn't some genius thing that I came up with. Uh, these kids just were already good. You know, luckily they were born at the right time, right place. And they wanted to go to USC and they had wonderful parents who did a bulk of the legwork and they were already studs before they arrived. And really I was just making sure that they didn't do anything stupid. Um, <laughs> and they just kept performing at a good level. I was a, you know, just a really good babysitter. I was great at driving the minivan. So <laughs> take them to great dinners and, you know, make sure they don't sneak out of the hotel room. That's really, that's, and, you know, just make a good, stable practice environment. But gosh, was I some, you know, I think, I think uh, it'd be a mistake to say like, I'm some guru or genius. Like, no, no, I just know what good behavior is. And I was just trying to bring it out of them. Well, I think you give yourself too little credit. Um, that I think if you talk to some of your former players, and and we've had Danielle Lau on the podcast um, a couple years ago when her book came out, I, I think they would probably tell a little bit different story about the influence was not having them. <laughs> well, I brainwashed them pretty good. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're you're transitioning now. You have left college coaching you're back playing yourself and talk about these new projects you've got going. Um, I, I, it's very exciting. And I think for my audience, those of you listening, um, I want your ears to perk up right now as Wes starts talking about what he's working on currently. Yeah, I got my hands in a couple of projects. Uh, when I first uh, left USC, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My first reaction was, hey, let's slow this puppy down and take a year off and maybe get back into college tennis the fall of 2018 and start searching for a job. Because uh, that really was the dream I was chasing for the last 10 years. And it, it, it was to try to win an NCAA championship. We came very close a couple of times, but you, know, you need so many things to go right to, to get that going. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot through all that, but really my focus now is just like, how can I use all the things I learned in the last 10 years? And I spent, you know, I'm a total introvert. I spent a lot of time just reading and dorking out, looking at interviews on YouTube and just trying to pick my brain with older people. And I'm just very curious and I, I want to see if I can leverage some of the things I've learned and, and take it into tennis in different ways. And then also ultimately into other domains and, uh, really, that's what I'm focusing on now. So since I, I have a competitive advantage in tennis, I know a lot of people and, I, and I'm and i really passionate about it. I see some of the holes out there. I, I, I'm trying to attack some of these projects one by one. But 
the current project that I'm working on that I'm really excited about, just because it's in the short term here uh, this summer, is this West Coast uh, tennis tour. And I, I, what I like about this thing is it's something I've done myself. It's, these are existing tournaments out there. And there are 13 tournaments in a row, starting from San Diego all the way up to uh, Seattle. And really my goal is to take uh, a group of kids up this coast on this road trip of a lifetime and uh, just compete a lot and play in singles, doubles, mixed doubles. I did all that stuff this summer. It was a blast. Even me at 35, I improved a ton. And the reason I improved a ton for, for myself is uh, when you're coaching, you think you have, you, you forget that there's a lot of nerves, even at the first point of the match, even at one, one in the first set, uh, you forget that, you know, what it feels like to get cheated or to get a call wronged or for someone to just have a massive weapon that you can't do anything about. I mean, sometimes as a coach, you're sitting there on the sidelines going, you know, why don't you just do this? Well, when you're in the match, it's just not that easy to execute these things and things are moving a million miles an hour. Although I gained a lot of wisdom and in other areas, like being level-headed, being more mature on the court as a coach now playing, uh, my fitness definitely went down. <laughs> my flexibility went down and my range of motion. So those are the things I really focused on this summer was how can I better my body uh, to compete at this high level? And now I'm starting to understand how someone like Roger Federer or Tom Brady uh, can play at such a high level, even being older than I am. And a lot of it does come down to uh, range of motion, flexibility, pliability. And these are things that I did not focus on at any point in my career. And I didn't put any stock into because a lot of times you're on a college campus and the trainer they give you is a fo football trainer or a track coach. They don't know anything about tennis. And, and it's not their fault. But you look at a lot of the top players today, and a lot of them are lanky. They have long limbs. They have huge levers. And they have a ton of range of motion, but they're also doing a lot of stuff to enhance that stuff. And what I see on college campuses is just a lot of lifting, a lot of strengthening, uh, a lot of strengthening in rehab. But now as I'm doing it, experimenting on my own body, I think there's a, lo a lot of other ways to attack this problem, elongating your muscles, whether it's by drinking more water, getting better sleep, like rolling out more, using balls, bands different things. And, you know, that's just, for example, one area where I'm passionate about, which we're going to learn, you know, on the West Coast tour, just traveling around, uh, you know, just using my experience and the team we have around us and, but learn all these lessons while we're competing. Because I, again, if you're just sitting around all summer, just doing cross courts and doing the two cross one line drills, it's, it's wonderful. Like, but you know, we could be doing that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we could compete Thursday, Friday, every single week for 13 weeks. Um, so really that's the goal. Just, you know, take the pressure off the parents, take the kids with me. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking for current college players who have, don't know what to do with their summers. Let's see if we can improve in the lineup. Let's see if we can, um, you know, gain some maturity. And then for those junior players who, you know, aren't playing the sectionals or can sneak out on the West coast tour for a week or two and get some good match play against some studs, uh, that would be huge because the players who are winning these events are, you know, calling out to Marino, who just won the USC or Long Beach Futures uh, last week, he didn't even win these tournaments. He lost, you know, I think in the quarterfinals or earlier, two of the last tournaments, Tacoma and Seattle. So you get an idea of the level, uh, but it's also a wide range. I mean, in the first round, I've played guys who are 45 years old who are really cagey and smart, 
come to the net and they hit the ball two miles an hour, but they place it exactly where you don't want it. So it's just great for junior players to see all these levels. They could learn. Um, and, and also just a ton of fun because the whole town gets behind it. Right. And a lot of these tournaments are money tournaments too. So especially for the college players, it's a nice way for them to earn a little pocket money for the coming year too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're, uh, you can, you can claim this money for expenses here. And so it's a great deal. Oftentimes they will give uh, just a lot of, uh, if you're not part of the West Coast tour, there is free housing. If you ask for it, you're, you're really on it. Uh, A lot of these places are really gracious hosts. So yeah, it's just a great way to get out there. I mean, actually every single tournament we're playing this summer is a money tournament. And, uh, it just ranges in levels of strength and, and money. But uh, I grew up playing a ton of money tournaments in between the junior events. And it really taught me how to win in a different way because a lot of the older players do play smart. I mean, they don't just sit in the backhand corner and bang inside out forehands. A lot of the older players will take your second serve, you know, come to the net, make you hit a difficult pass. You know, they'll serve and volley, they even off a second serve, which you don't see currently i mean most people are playing a very similar brand of tennis just from the baseline just trying to like throw bazookas at each other and fireballs <laughs> this is just a different way there's more uh using more of the court and different paces so i think it's really good for junior players to experience and also just competing against you know people who are uh all different shapes and sizes which sometimes you don't get in junior events that's very, very true. And you've assembled a really cool team of, I'm, I'm using air quotes, coaches that are going to go with you uh-huh. on on the swings this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about who's going to be with you on, on the tour? Well, a, a lot of these people are, are just people who I develop really good relationships with. And, and there are more who aren't listed on the website, but it's just a matter of like, how many weeks can we get them? But for instance, Danielle Lau, she can she um, won uh, went through qualies this year and qualified for a grand, first Grand Slam in 2017 at the U.S. Open. So that was really cool. And uh, this is someone I coached at USC. Someone like Caitlin Christian, who won the NCAA doubles championship, and is now about 100 in the world in doubles. Then uh, uh, you know we got Zoe Scandalis, who's smartest student athlete at USC over four years and a, a Rhodes Scholarship finalist. So. You know, it's just, you know, I'm trying to find people with different balance. And then, you know, there's like, there's, there's current people who I can't really mention because the NCAA rules who I'm going to be hiring, um, who are, you know, either all Americans at their respective schools for a top 30 NCAA ranked school or a current college coach who, you know, might be out of coaching and they're going to come work at the summer tour a couple of weeks. So really, I'm just trying to surround the kids with like quality and people who've actually done it before and can also point them in the right direction because really the kids I'm targeting are freshman in high school to senior in college. And so we want those high school players who are itching to, you know, get into college, learn more about college and, you know, they can boost their UTR and we can talk about these things like what college coaches are looking for and what really is important uh, to maybe gain a walk-on spot at some of these schools. Because a lot of these kids are, you know, very – even though there's eight scholarship for women, there's really only one or two scholarships opening up each year for a lot of these programs. And with 4.5 men scholarships, there's, there's even less money to go around. So 
to realistically say you're going to get full scholarships just absurd. I mean, uh, the, the better way to think about these things for kids and parents is just like, how can I leverage tennis to get into the school that I really want to go to so I can set myself up for the rest of my life and, and doing what I really want to do, which is, you know, become a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. And that's kind of how I want to frame this thing uh, for the kids. And just like, how can we point you in the right direction so we can realistically assess what level you're at? Um, because a lot of people, you know, have a distorted view of how good they are, or their parents might have a distorted view of how good their kids are. And you, what you really want is for your kids to be happy uh, when they go to college. So they're not playing number seven, not in the lineup. They only played the top six players. And if you're playing seven in the first three years, that might not be a great experience unless you really want to be a walk-on and you love being a part of the practices. And maybe you want to join a fraternity or sorority and you think that's the best deal ever. Uh, but then there's other kids who no, I love tennis. I want to be in every single practice game with the best players. I want to be playing two, three middle of the lineup. So I'm not looking over my shoulder and I know my coach values me and I'm, you know, I'm in the doubles lineup every time. I mean, these are things that we can help kids navigate mentally, like to wrap their heads around it, to realistically assess their level and see, okay, what's a, uh, a good place for you to have a great college experience. So you're not calling home every week and going, gosh, this coach is just the worst. Like, and, uh, you really want to set the expectations in a correct way. So, uh, they have fun right. and for college kids, really just, uh, same thing, you know, like a lot of kids during the summer just say, oh, I'm going to go back home, work with my teaching pro and it's all nostalgic and everything. And it's honky dory, but you're really not getting down to the nitty gritty of competing and improving. And a lot of college kids just think, Oh, just cause I'm, I'm at, you know, UC Davis, I got it made. I I'm ready to go. But then they come back in the fall, they're a step slower or they're just, they're, they're at the status quo and, and everyone else got, you know, was improving over the summer. And the next thing you know, you're, you went from three in the lineup to five and, you know, two doubles to three doubles. And you're like, crap, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, I should have spent that time improving. And, and really that's what we're trying to do is just get more kids to compete. So uh, just by simply doing it, I mean, you, you'll get better just by doing it without even world-class coaching. <laughs> well, and they're going to get world-class coaching if they go with you and your team, because a, your experience is unbelievable. Um, you know, as a player, I mean, you you played college tennis, you understand what that's about. And then you've coached college tennis and you've done recruiting and you've seen players, you've gone to these junior events around the country and, and around the world and seen what the competition looks like out there. And And so to be able to tap into that body of knowledge for these high school and current college players. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I think it's really cool that you're putting this together and uh, offering this out. So if people want information on West coast tennis tour, you guys have a website and maybe you can. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. You go to West coast tennis tour.com and uh, there's a phone number on there. If you want to give us a call and we can talk about some packages, but I do have a special package for uh, all your listeners that, you know, is not going to be offered to anyone else, but it's really, if you buy one week at full price, you get the second week at half price. So really what we're looking for is if people can, you know, at least, you know, experience it for two weeks and, you know, we'll, uh, give you a little discount there. And, 
and I'll let our sales team deal with that because I have someone who manages that for me. That way I don't get involved with the finances that I'm just talking tennis because really that's not my strength. I mean, my strength is to be talking about the forehands and backhands and how can we keep improving. But yes, we definitely have a special. So if you mentioned Parenting Aces or Lisa Stone, we'll have that Ray queued up and uh, just mention that and we'll, we'll get it going. Awesome. That's fantastic. Very, very generous of you. So listeners, please, please, please take advantage of that. I will say from just personal experience, my kid did some of these Pacific Northwest tournaments uh, the summer between his freshman and sophomore year of college and had a great experience. I mean, you know, the, the tournaments were really well run. The housing was phenomenal. And um, the, the vistas, I mean, if you go on your website, you have a lot of photos of, of the places that you'll be <laughs> visiting. And I mean, it's just spectacular. Um, kids that grew up on the West coast maybe are used to seeing stuff like that for those of us in the rest of the country, it's a real treat. So, um, hopefully my listeners will take advantage and, and take a look at this it, and, I mean, West, for, for the kids that are at the level where they're playing national clays, national hard courts, you know, their, their top uh, sectional events, is this still a good option for them? Or, you know, maybe compare this to, I, I've always been a big proponent of the ITA summer circuit. Um, how, do, how do they work all of these events, all of these opportunities into a summer? Yeah, you know, I don't think anyone has it figured out. Um, I think we're just simply another great choice. I mean, uh, the other choices are wonderful. I mean, I, I would say definitely go play the uh, clay courts in the Nationals. Certainly what I did when I was a kid, I think I even did intersectionals if you were fortunate enough to make that team from your section. Uh, then as a college player, yeah, you got the ITA summer circuit events or ITF pro circuit events. Uh, the only downside with ITA circuit events, and they're great things, it's just sometimes you might compete against the same players that you would always play against in college. And it might get kind of stale because no one's watching on that last semifinal match. And the nice thing is if you're in the quarters or semis at one of our tournaments, uh, gosh, you're going to have a bunch of people watching. And they're going to be drinking some beer from the local beer garden there at the, that's sponsoring the tournament. And they're just going to be excited to watch you play. They're going to talk to you after your matches. They're, they're going to, they're going to think you're like Roger Federer uh, just because they don't get the opportunity to see good players and they really appreciate it. So I, I again, back to the different game styles and just the different change of scenery. Cause one of the things I see as a college coach is just, Kids, uh, even if they're out competing all summer, maybe, you know, they had a parent breathing down their neck all summer or they were playing the same kids at the ITA summer circuit events. And, you know, although they're great events, try doing that for three, four summers in a row. You want to stick a fork in your eye. Uh, You just feel like, you know, is there more to life? And so you come come back to the fall a little bit burned out, a little bit, you know, jaded and really that's what I'm not trying to do. I'm trying to make it a super fun road trip experience. Like we're going to play some tennis, but we're also going to do a ton of other stuff. You know, you're going to be hanging out with your friends. You're not going to be lonely. Uh, We're spending nights together. We're seeing amazing landmarks along the way. So really I I would say that's the difference. Ours is more of a a total experience where we're really going to go out of our way to 
try to do some of those things. And then also you're just spending time with, you know, other people. It's more social. Um, I think it's really important for young people uh, to make it fun. I mean, you can entice them with a little bit of fun. I think that's what Wayne Bryan's all about, like a barbecue, some music and play some tennis, you know, instead of just tennis, tennis, tennis all the time. And it's all business. Um, Cause I don't think that's reality. Most people are not robots. We're human beings. We need to have that smile a little bit in order to get our best tennis out. Sure. Sure. So as a mom, I have to ask this question. What is the level of um, kind of chaperoning that's going to be going on supervision that's going to be going on? Because if, if I've got a 14 year old, you know, kid who's just entering high school or maybe 15, they've just finished their freshman year of high school. um, I'm going to be a little concerned about, you know, sending them on the road for a couple weeks. Yeah, this is definitely going to be the the challenge of the the biggest challenge of the road trip. It's not uh, logistics or um, you know helping the kids with their games like that. To me, is the easy part. the The hard part is really the safety and making that the the most serious thing. I mean, I ran a bunch of summer camps at USC, and that was always my number one worry because sometimes the kids would have so much fun. The parents would allow a seven, eight-year-old to stay over in the dorms. And I personally slept in the dorms with the kids, um, roughing it all summer. I mean, some of the dorms didn't have air con at USD, but I just personally felt so uh, responsible. And I didn't want to leave it up to, uh, you know, a young counselor. And so I personally slept in the dorms and just made sure nothing silly happened. Um, but the way we're going to do it on the West Coast tour is uh, – depending on how many kids sign up, of course we have, you know, sometimes we're just going to have to stay in hotel, but we're also going to have housing. We're going to have uh, some Airbnb homes that are a little bit bigger that can maybe occupy anywhere from eight to 15 people. And really I'm going to try to put all the boys in one house, all the girls in another house. We're also going to separate by age, um, you know, high schoolers here, college people here. And that way there's just, uh, and each person is going to have a point person like it. And I'm planning on bringing adults who are older than me just as uh, overall chaperones to make sure everything goes smoothly. And there's a, uh, a lot of authority to answer to. <laughs> right. so safety is good. And I think that's Smart. really, really important because as a kid, I, I, my parents moved out of the country at 16 and I went to, train in uh, Florida at, for my last year and a half of high school. And that was one of the things I definitely would say if I could do it all over again, I would do a better job. It was just that I was living with young coaches and young players. And I think when you get a bunch of males in one room, you know, three or more guys, a lot of stupid things can happen, uh, regardless of if you have someone who's 35 and older. So what I'm saying is like, can we find a way to like make it as, is similar to being as home, like in terms of safety, curfew, stability, because the whole point of this thing is to get the best out of your tennis game. So we do want to be taking that seriously. It's not just a fun free for all trip. Um, it's really about having some structure and like, how are we going to attack each week with the tournaments? You know, you got the round of 16 here on Thursday. Okay. How are we going to practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading up to that? How are we going to taper off or ramp up? When are we going to do fitness? So all these things are really important. I think that's that's why having uh, the environment as stable as possible when we're traveling, and that's just the that's the tricky part about traveling. But it's 
I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. So glad to have you with us this week. Have you ever wondered what your high school or college tennis player should be doing during the summer? It seems to be a question that I get asked a lot, and it's a point of conversation that happens on our Facebook group a lot. And so I thought it would be really cool to share with y'all a new summer tennis tour put together by USC former women's assistant coach Wes Knott. And West is going to be talking about this new West Coast tennis tour and how you can get involved. And he has graciously offered a really nice discount to the Parenting Aces community. So I hope you will enjoy hearing about what West is up to and take advantage of this great opportunity for your junior or college player this summer. So without further ado, Please enjoy this week's podcast with West Knott. West Knott, thanks so much for joining us on the Parenting Aces podcast. So glad to have you. Nice to be here with you this morning, too. So before we jump into the meat of the conversation, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit of background info on your life in tennis. Well, I think I've been pretty lucky uh, as a young person. I, you know, just graduated from college. I, I'm, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my life. And I was dabbling in a few projects uh, about 11 years ago. And uh, I ran into uh, the one of the guys who worked for the ITA, uh, Casey Angle, and he was telling me about this job opening up at USC. And I really wasn't interested, actually. I was at the NCAA championships just watching John Isner play Kevin Anderson and uh, Samdev Devarman. I was just enjoying that. I really wasn't thinking about entering into the world of college tennis, but he kept telling me about this guy, Richard Galleon, and who's the head coach at USC, and he was looking to replace Howard Joffe, uh, who's now the current head coach at the University of Texas. And uh, I also knew Peter Smith a little bit because I was running a, a tennis blog called Underground Tennis. And Basically, the focus was on junior and college tennis. And I think through that, uh, I, I, I shook Richard's hand and, and we hit it off right away. And next thing you know, I was coaching at USC for the last 10 years alongside Richard. I just had a complete blast. Um, before that, I played uh, at Georgia Tech. I played one year at the University of Florida and then my final three years at Georgia Tech. And before that, I grew up in the Midwest uh, uh, you know, played all over the country. It was a top ranked junior. Uh, and it was just super fun. The, the whole thing has just been a blast and a blur, uh, all at once. And I've learned a ton. I mean, gosh, I, I when you're 23, you think you know a lot and then you just realize now you, you, you don't know that much and it really humbles <laughs> you. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but, uh, yeah, it's just a constant journey trying to, you know, figure out, uh, how, how best to help other people and, and how to keep loving the sport. And that is a challenge. And I, so I want to just ask you about your 
kind of growing up years in tennis. And since the Parenting Aces audience is primarily made up of tennis parents, maybe ask you a little bit about your experience with your own parents and your tennis. How involved were they? What are some of the things they did well? And what are some of the things that you wish they might have done a little differently? Yeah, I don't think it's easy being a tennis parent because oftentimes as a tennis parent, you're going through it for the first time with your firstborn. And I and I was the oldest one. But I think they were also dealt a lucky hand because they also didn't know that I wanted to play tennis. They just have, you know, I grew up, my mom's from the Marshall Islands, which is a tiny uh, atoll in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, south of Guam, just north of the equator. And my dad's just a bald white guy from Wyoming. <laughs> and they met through the Peace Corps. Yeah, it, it just, you know, uh, interesting mix of people, but they hit it off and they're still together. But they uh, they met in the Peace Corps. And so then we moved out to the islands. I spent my entire childhood on this little island called Ponape in Micronesia. And so that's how I grew up playing tennis, because my parents would go to the courts, these two, you know, courts with uh, cracks in them, grass and just worn down. But they would hit with all the locals and the other uh, foreigners on the island, just playing this great game. And they were always laughing and enjoying playing doubles, just subbing in. There was always a line of people waiting. They'd bring beers. They would barbecue. And so I didn't have the chance to play with them, and I would just hit on the wall next to them. So that's kind of how I fell in love with the game because it it was totally by self-motivation because I I wanted to be like my parents. I wanted to copy, mimic what they were doing. So I'd hit on the wall, and I just kind of caught the bug from that. And uh, luckily, when I was 12 or uh, 11, I moved to the United States at sixth grade in Midland, Michigan. And my dad purposely tried to find a place with a great big tennis center. Uh, and, and there was a 16 indoor, 16 uh, outdoor courts. And it was just like heaven for me. So they would just drop me off. And I remember when they were house searching when we first moved to Midland, Michigan. And I just spent all day at the courts. And, you know, I just would watch all the other kids' lessons and then kind of like, act like it was my own lesson. I would just like mentally take notes and then go try to practice it hitting with other kids or on the ball machine or on the wall. So I was very self-motivated. I, and I think that's where my parents had a lucky hand, but as time went on, of course, um, expectations started to build up and, you know, they didn't know how to manage me because I was so competitive and, you know, maybe my attitude was bad. Half the times I lost and, you know, they just didn't know what to do with me. And, uh, So I I think it was a constant challenge. I don't think anyone really has it figured out. Even people who have 50 years of experience, you know, still don't know what to tell young people. It's just, I think it's constantly evolving and and that's what makes the sport so challenging and so fun. Uh, But the one thing I would say about parents that uh, does make it uh, really beneficial for a young person is just to be as stable and level-headed as possible, not get too excited if someone has a great result and also just not get negative uh, when someone has a poor result. I understand tennis lessons are expensive. Uh, I was lucky enough to have one private lesson every two weeks. And, and, I, and I really valued that lesson. It, it, I looked forward to it so much. I remember I'd be jump roping 20 minutes before the lesson just to make sure I was warm enough and I was going to be ready to go right at you know 7 p.m. if that was my private lesson for that one hour. That was all I got. And then I got three uh, group lessons a week. So I just cherished every moment I had on the court. I knew it was a limited thing, especially with indoor courts. 
Um, I didn't really care too much about who I was hitting with. I, uh, I wrote a article on tennisrecruiting.net in 2012 called 500 sets a year. And really that's kind of a segue into like what I really believe in my philosophy is just getting more people to compete with each other. I figure if you play 10 sets a week, uh, 50 weeks out of the year, take two weeks off, that's 500 sets. And you know, that kid's probably going to do better. Um, and a kid only playing 50 sets a year or 100 sets a year and just doing cross courts all day. And there's nothing wrong with doing cross courts. There's nothing wrong with doing drilling. I do that stuff every single day, even with the kids I work with. But I still think there's a huge room for people to go out and compete. And that's one of the things that just naturally came to me. I was always kind of trash talking, maybe doing a little side bet with a kid or just challenging myself if I could beat someone 6-0. Uh, could I beat him 6-0 in a different way? Could I beat him 6-0 by just serving and volleying? Could I beat him 6-0 chipping and charging? Or can I mimic a player that I saw uh, on videotape? Could I play like Sampras? Could I play like Agassi? And these are the things that just made me uh, fall in love with the sport. No coach told me to do that. Uh, my parents didn't tell me to do that. In fact, my parents would say, hey, let's not go play tennis today. So uh, I think they had a different set of problems than maybe what other parents have, maybe trying to motivate their kids. The motivation was never an issue for me. So, uh, but yeah, they, I don't think anyone's perfect, but I think they did a pretty good job. That's great to hear. And as a former college coach, I know my audience is always starving for information about what are college coaches looking for during the recruiting process. You coached at USC on the women's side. And maybe you can give us a little insight about what you looked for in a player. Yeah, I think uh, every college coach is different and every player is different. And I think you got to go with as a coach with what fits your philosophy and, and what you're looking for in my particular case. And, and maybe it's, it's uh, very consistent with what, the, what other top college coaches are looking for. But what I valued the most was, uh, maturity, like how you were uh, in a stressful situation. Um, also, just how you conducted yourself. Like, did you conduct yourself with class? Um, you know, did you have a sense of uh, balance in your life? Like, were you self-motivated? I mean, these are all qualities that any any reasonable person would want in a human being. I was trying to search for those things, but it's not that easy to find when, um, you know, there's a limited quantity of good players. And if you want to win a national championship or reach a final four, there aren't 30 of these kids running around. The reality is there's only maybe 10 or less that can truly help your team try to get the big enchilada. And so for me, that was just a constant battle. Like, do we take more talent, but less character? Do we take more character, less talent? You know, very often, very few times would you have a slam dunk where it was like, oh my gosh, we have great character and we have great talent and they do everything right like that just that just doesn't exist and so that was a constant constant tug of war for me mentally just you know what do we do because on the girls side it's even trickier because a lot of the girls are taking unofficial visits starting freshman sophomore year and verbally committing their junior year and uh, oftentimes we would you know feel the pressure because you know stanford duke florida georgia UCLA in our backyard, like everyone's competing really, really hard. And, you know, it's like everyone's trying to jump on the same five kids and then the same 10 kids. And, you know, you're just trying to get a piece of the action so you don't slip too far in talent. Uh, because I do believe for every 
you know, uh, bona fide stud you do get, that could be worth a thousand private lessons, you know, uh, that sometimes there is the Grand Canyon gap in talent. Uh, but I would say if I could do it all over again, and one thing I would definitely focus on to the nth degree is just maturity and just uh, character. I, I think that's really, really important. Uh, and, and really, you know, uh, being consistent with that in all your picks, which is not easy to do because we just have a sometimes a lack of information uh, to, to make the best choices. But I think everyone's trying to do the same thing. And sometimes I think, honestly, you get lucky. I think some of our teams that, you know, won the Pac-12, I think we won the Pac-12 championship four times and uh, reached number one in 2015, made two Final Fours. And those type of teams, honestly, were just a fluke. I mean, I was a young person. You know, a lot of these people committed early. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, they committed. And I, it, it wasn't some genius thing that I came up with. Uh, these kids just were already good. You know, luckily, they were born at the right time, right place. And they wanted to go to USC, and they had wonderful parents who did a bulk of the legwork, and they were already studs before they arrived. And really, I was just making sure that they didn't do anything stupid. Um, <laughs> and they just kept performing at a good level. I was a, you know, just a really good babysitter. I was great at driving the minivan. So <laughs> take them to great dinners and, you know, make sure they don't sneak out of the hotel room. That's really, that's, and, you know, just make a good, stable practice environment. But gosh, was I some... You know, I think I think uh, it'd be a mistake to say, like, I'm some guru or genius. Like, no, no, I just know what good behavior is, and I was just trying to bring it out of them. Well, I think you give yourself too little credit. Um, and I think if you talk to some of your former players, and, and we've had Danielle Lau on the podcast um, a couple years ago when her book came out, I, I think they would probably tell a little bit different story about the influence we Scott <laughs> had on them. Well, I brainwashed them pretty good. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're you're transitioning now. You have left college coaching. You're back playing yourself. And talk about these new projects you've got going. Um, I, I, it's very exciting. And I think for my audience, those of you listening, um, I want your ears to perk up right now as Wes starts talking about what he's working on currently. Yeah, I got my hands in a couple projects. Uh, when I first uh, left USC, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. My first reaction was, hey, let's slow this puppy down and take a year off and maybe get back into college tennis the fall of 2018 and start searching for a job. Because uh, that really was the dream I was chasing for the last 10 years. And it, it, it was to try to win an NCAA championship. We came very close a couple of times, but you need so many things to go right to, to get that going. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot through all that, but really my focus now is just like, how can I use all the things I learned in the last 10 years? And I spent, you know, I'm a total introvert. I spent a lot of time just reading and dorking out, looking at interviews on YouTube and just trying to pick my brain with older people. And, I'm just very curious and I, I want to see if I can leverage some of the things I've learned and, and take it into tennis in different ways. And then also ultimately into other domains. And uh, really that's what I'm focusing on now. So since I, I have a competitive advantage in tennis, I know a lot of people and I, and I'm really passionate about it. I see some of the holes out there. I, I I'm trying to attack some of these projects one by one, but 
the current project that I'm working on that I'm really excited about just because it's in the short term here uh, this summer is this West Coast uh, tennis tour. And I, I, what I like about this thing is it's something I've done myself. It's, these are existing tournaments out there. And there are 13 tournaments in a row starting from San Diego all the way up to uh, Seattle. And really my goal is to take uh, a group of kids up this coast on this road trip of a lifetime and uh, just compete a lot and play in singles, doubles, mixed doubles. I did all that stuff this summer. It was a blast. Even me at 35, I improved a ton. And the reason I improved a ton for, for myself is uh, when you're coaching, you think you have you, you forget that there's a lot of nerves, even at the first point of the match, even at 1-1 in the first set. Uh, you forget that, you know, what it feels like to get cheated or to get a call wronged or for someone to just have a massive weapon that you can't do anything about. I mean, sometimes as a coach, you're sitting there on the sidelines going, you know, why don't you just do this? Well, when you're in the match, it's just not that easy to execute these things and things are moving a million miles an hour. Although I gained a lot of wisdom and in other areas, like being level-headed, being more mature on the court as a coach now playing, uh, my fitness definitely went down. <laughs> my flexibility went down and my range of motion. So those are the things I really focused on this summer was how can I better my body uh, to compete at this high level. And now I'm starting to understand how someone like Roger Federer or Tom Brady uh, can play at such a high level, even being older than I am. And a lot of it does come down to uh, range of motion, flexibility, pliability. And these are things that I did not focus on at any point in my career. And I didn't put any stock into because a lot of times you're on a college campus and the trainer they give you is a fo football trainer or a track coach. They don't know anything about tennis. And and it's not their fault, but you look at a lot of the top players today, and a lot of them are lanky. They have long limbs, they have huge levers, and they have a ton of range of motion. But they're also doing a lot of stuff to enhance that stuff. And what I see on college campuses is just a lot of lifting, a lot of strengthening, uh, a lot of strengthening in rehab. But now, as I'm doing it, experimenting on my own body, I think there's a, lo a lot of other ways to attack this problem elongating your muscles, whether it's by drinking more water, getting better sleep, like rolling out more, using balls, bands, different things. And, you know, that's just, for example, one area where I'm passionate about, which we're going to learn, you know, on the West Coast tour, just traveling around, uh, you know, just using my experience and the team we have around us. And, but learn all these lessons while we're competing. Because, I, again, if you're just sitting around all summer, just doing cross courts, and doing the two cross one line drills it's it's wonderful like but you know we could be doing that on monday tuesday wednesday we could compete thursday friday every single week for 13 weeks um so really that's the goal just you know take the pressure off the parents take the kids with me and uh you know i'm really looking for current college players who have don't know what to do with their summers let's see if we can improve in the lineup let's see if we can um you know gain some maturity and then for those junior players who you know aren't playing the sectionals or can sneak out on the West Coast tour for a week or two and get some good match play against some studs. Uh, that would be huge because the players who are winning these events are, you know, calling out to Marino who just won the USD or Long Beach Futures uh, last week. He didn't even win these tournaments. He lost, you know, I think in the quarterfinals or earlier, two of the last tournaments, Tacoma and Seattle. So you get an idea of the level. Uh, but it's also a wide range. I mean, in the first round, I've played guys who are 45 years old who are really cagey and smart, 
come to the net and they hit the ball two miles an hour, but they place it exactly where you don't want it. So it's just great for junior players to see all these levels. They could learn. Um, and, and also just a ton of fun because the whole town gets behind it. Right. And a lot of these tournaments are money tournaments too. So especially for the college players, it's a nice way for them to earn a little pocket money for the coming year too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're, uh, you can, you can claim this money for expenses here. And so it's a great deal. Oftentimes they will give, uh, just a lot of, uh, if you're not part of the West coast tour, there is free housing. If you ask for it, you're, you're really on it. A lot of these places are really gracious hosts. So yeah, it's just a great way to get out there. I mean, actually every single tournament we're playing this summer is a money tournament. And, uh, it just ranges in levels of strength and, and money. But uh, I grew up playing a ton of money tournaments in between the junior events. And it really taught me how to win in a different way because a lot of the older players do play smart. I mean, they don't just sit in the backhand corner and bang inside out forehands. A lot of the older players will take your second serve, you know, come to the net, make you hit a difficult pass. You know, they'll serve and volley, they even off a second serve, which you don't see currently. I mean, most people are playing a very similar brand of tennis just from the baseline, just trying to like throw bazookas at each other and fireballs. <laughs> this is just a different way. There's more uh, using more of the court and different paces. So I think it's really good for junior players to experience and also just competing against, you know, people who are uh, all different shapes and sizes, which sometimes you don't get in junior events. That's very, very true. And you've assembled a really cool team of, I'm, I'm using air quotes, coaches that are going to go with you <laughs> on on the swings this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about who's going to be with you on, on the tour? Well, a, a lot of these people are, are just people who I develop really good relationships with. And, and there are more who aren't listed on the website, but it's just a matter of like, how many weeks can we get them? But for instance, Danielle Lau, she can, she um, won, uh, went through qualies this year and qualified for a grant, first Grand Slam in 2017 at the U.S. Open. So that was really cool. And uh, this is someone I coached at USC, someone like Caitlin Christian, who won the NCAA doubles championship and is now about 100 in the world in doubles. Then, uh, uh, you know, we got Zoe Skandalis, who's smartest student athlete at USC over four years and a Rhodes Scholarship finalist. So you know, it's just, you know, I'm trying to find people with different balance. And then, you know, there's like, there's, there's current people who I can't really mention because the NCAA rules who I'm going to be hiring, um, who are, you know, either all Americans at their respective schools for a top 30 NCAA ranked school or a current college coach who, you know, might be out of coaching and they're going to come work at the summer tour a couple of weeks. So really, I'm just trying to surround the kids with like quality and people who've actually done it before and can also point them in the right direction because really the kids I'm targeting are freshman in high school till senior in college. And so we want those high school players who are itching to, you know, get into college, learn more about college and, you know, they can boost their UTR and we can talk about these things like what college coaches are looking for and what really is important uh, to maybe gain a walk-on spot at some of these schools. Because a lot of these kids are, you know, very, even though there's eight scholarships for women, there's really only one or two scholarships opening up each year for a lot of these programs. And with 4.5 men scholarships, there's, there's even less money to go around. So, so 
to realistically say you're going to get full scholarships is just absurd. I mean, uh, the, the better way to think about these things for kids and parents is just like, how can I leverage tennis to get into the school that I really want to go to so I can set myself up for the rest of my life and, and doing what I really want to do, which is, you know, become a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. And that's kind of how I want to frame this thing uh, for the kids. And just like, how can we point you in the right direction so we can realistically assess what level you're at? Um, because a lot of people, you know, have a distorted view of how good they are, or their parents might have a distorted view of how good their kids are. And what you really want is for your kids to be happy uh, when they go to college. So they're not playing number seven, not in the lineup. They only played the top six players. And if you're playing seven in the first three years, that might not be a great experience unless you really want to be a walk-on and you love being a part of the practices. And maybe you want to join a fraternity or sorority and you think that's the best deal ever. Uh, but then there's other kids who no, I love tennis. I want to be in every single practice game with the best players. I want to be playing two, three middle of the lineup. So I'm not looking over my shoulder and I know my coach values me and I'm, you know, I'm in the doubles lineup every time. I mean, these are things that we can help kids navigate mentally, like to wrap their heads around it, to realistically assess their level and see, okay, what's a, uh, a good place for you to have a great college experience. You're not calling home every week and going, gosh, this coach is just the worst. Like, and uh, you really want to set the expectations in a correct way. So uh, they have fun okay. and for college kids, really just uh, same thing, you know, like a lot of kids during the summer just say, oh, I'm going to go back home, work with my teaching pro and it's all nostalgic and everything. And it's honky dory, but you're really not getting down to the nitty gritty of competing and improving. And a lot of college kids just think, Oh, just cause I'm, I'm at, you know, UC Davis, I got it made. I I'm ready to go. But then they come back in the fall, they're a step slower or they're just, they're, they're at the status quo and, and everyone else got, you know, was improving over the summer. And the next thing you know, you're, you went from three in the lineup to five and, you know, two doubles to three doubles. And you're like, crap, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, I should have spent that time improving. And, and really, that's what we're trying to do is just get more kids to compete. So uh, just by simply doing it, I mean, you, you'll get better just by doing it without even world-class coaching. <laughs> well, and they're <laughs> going to get world-class coaching if they go with you and your team, because A, your experience is unbelievable. Um, you know, as a player, I mean, you you played college tennis, you understand what that's about. And then you've coached college tennis and you've done recruiting and you've seen players, you've gone to these junior events around the country and, and around the world and seen what the competition looks like out there. And And so to be able to tap into that body of knowledge for these high school and current college players. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I think it's really cool that you're putting this together and uh, offering this out. So if people want information on West coast tennis tour, you guys have a website and maybe you can. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. yeah you go to West coast tennis tour.com and uh, there's a phone number on there. If you want to give us a call and we can talk about some packages, but I do have a special package for uh, all your listeners that, you know, is not going to be offered to anyone else, but it's really, if you buy one week at full price, you get the second week at half price. So really what we're looking for is if people can, you know, at least, you know, experience it for two weeks and, you know, we'll uh, give you a little discount there. And, um, 
and I'll let our sales team deal with that because I have someone who manages that for me. That way I don't get involved with the finances that I'm just talking tennis because really that's not my strength. I mean, my strength is to be talking about the forehands and backhands and how can we keep improving. But yes, we definitely have a special. So if you mentioned Parenting Aces or Lisa Stone, we'll have that Ray queued up and uh, just mention that and we'll, we'll get it going. Awesome. That's fantastic. Very, very generous of you. So listeners, please, please, please take advantage of that. I will say from just personal experience, my kid did some of these Pacific Northwest tournaments uh, the summer between his freshman and sophomore year of college and had a great experience. I mean, you know, the, the tournaments were really well run. The housing was phenomenal. And um, the, the vistas, I mean, if you go on your website, you have a lot of photos of, of the places that you'll be <laughs> visiting. And I mean, it's just spectacular. Um, kids that grew up on the West coast maybe are used to seeing stuff like that for those of us in the rest of the country, it's a real treat. So, um, hopefully my listeners will take advantage and, and take a look at this it, and, I mean, West, for, for the kids that are at the level where they're playing national clays, national hard courts, you know, their, their top uh, sectional events, is this still a good option for them? Or, you know, maybe compare this to, I, I've always been a big proponent of the ITA summer circuit. Um, how, do, how do they work all of these events, all of these opportunities into a summer? Yeah, you know, I don't think anyone has it figured out. Um, I think we're just simply another great choice. I mean, uh, the other choices are wonderful. I mean, I, I would say definitely go play the uh, clay courts in the Nationals. Certainly what I did when I was a kid, I think I even did intersectionals if you were fortunate enough to make that team from your section. Uh, then as a college player, yeah, you got the ITA summer circuit events or ITF pro circuit events. Uh, the only downside with ITA circuit events, and they're great things, it's just sometimes you might compete against the same players that you would always play against in college. And it might get kind of stale because no one's watching on that last semifinal match. And the nice thing is if you're in the quarters or semis at one of our tournaments, uh, gosh, you're going to have a bunch of people watching. And they're going to be drinking some beer from the local beer garden there at the, that's sponsoring the tournament. And they're just going to be excited to watch you play. They're going to talk to you after your matches. They're going to, they're going to think you're like Roger Federer uh, just because they don't get the opportunity to see good players and they really appreciate it. So I, I again, back to the different game styles and just the different change of scenery. Cause one of the things I see as a college coach is just, Kids, uh, even if they're out competing all summer, maybe, you know, they had a parent breathing down their neck all summer or they were playing the same kids at the ITA summer circuit events. And, you know, although they're great events, try doing that for three, four summers in a row. You want to stick a fork in your eye. Uh, you just feel like, you know, is there more to life? And so you come out, come back to the fall a little bit burned out, a little bit, you know, jaded and really that's what I'm not trying to do. I'm trying to make it a super fun road trip experience. Like we're going to play some tennis, but we're also going to do a ton of other stuff. You know, you're going to be hanging out with your friends. You're not going to be lonely. Uh, we're spending nights together. We're seeing amazing landmarks along the way. So really I, I would say that's the difference. Ours is more of a, a total experience where we're really going to go out of our way to 
try to do some of those things. And then also you're just spending time with, you know, other people. It's more social. Um, and I think that's really important for young people uh, to make it fun. I mean, you can entice them with a little bit of fun. I think that's what Wayne Bryan's all about, like a barbecue, some music, and play some tennis, you know, instead of just tennis, tennis, tennis all the time, and it's all business. Because um, I don't think that's reality. Most people are not robots. We're human beings. We need to have that smile a little bit in order to get our best tennis out. Sure, sure. So as a mom, I have to ask this question. What is the level of um, kind of chaperoning that's going to be going on, supervision that's going to be going on? Because if if I've got a 14-year-old, you know, kid who's just entering high school or maybe 15, they've just finished their freshman year of high school, um, I'm going to be a little concerned about, you know, sending them on the road for a couple weeks. Yeah, this is definitely going to be the the challenge of the the biggest challenge of the road trip. It's not uh, logistics or um, you know helping the kids with their games like that. To me, is the easy part. the The hard part is really the safety and making that the the most serious thing. I mean, I ran a bunch of summer camps at USC, and that was always my number one worry because sometimes the kids would have so much fun. The parents would allow a seven, eight-year-old to stay over in the dorms. And I personally slept in the dorms with the kids, um, roughing it all summer. I mean, some of the dorms didn't have air con at USB, but I just personally felt so uh, responsible. And I didn't want to leave it up to, uh, you know, a young counselor. And so I personally slept in the dorms and just made sure nothing silly happened. Um, but the way we're going to do it on the West Coast tour is... Uh, depending on how many kids sign up, of course we have, you know, sometimes we're just going to have to stay in hotel, but we're also going to have housing. We're going to have uh, some Airbnb homes that are a little bit bigger that can maybe occupy anywhere from eight to 15 people. And really I'm going to try to put all the boys in one house, all the girls in another house. We're also going to separate by age, um, you know, high schoolers here, college people here. And that way there's just, uh, and each person is going to have a point person like it. And I'm planning on bringing adults who are older than me just as uh, overall chaperones to make sure everything goes smoothly. And there is a, uh, a lot of authority to answer to. Right. <laughs> so safety is good. And I think that's Smart. really, really important because as a kid, I, I my parents moved out of the country at 16 and I went to train in uh, Florida at, for my last year and a half of high school. And that was one of the things I definitely would say if I could do it all over again, I would do a better job. It was just that I was living with young coaches and young players. And I think when you get a bunch of males in one room, you know, th three or more guys, a lot of stupid things can happen, uh, regardless of if you have someone who's 35 and older. So what I'm saying is like, can we find a way to like make it as, is similar to being as home, like in terms of safety, curfew, stability, because the whole point of this thing is to get the best out of your tennis game. So we do want to be taking that seriously. It's not just a fun free for all trip. Um, it's really about having some structure and like, how are we going to attack each week with the tournaments? You know, you got the round of 16 here on Thursday. Okay. How are we going to practice on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading up to that? How are we going to taper off or ramp up? When are we going to do fitness? So all these things are really important. And I think that's, that's why having uh, 
the environment as stable as possible when we're traveling. And that's just the, that's the tricky part about traveling, but it's just like being at a, on the road at a tournament, whether you're traveling in the U S or all over the world down the road. Uh, if you want to pursue a pro career, these are really important things to like learn how to figure out what works best for you. So hopefully we can solve that. And can you talk a little bit about mealtime? I saw on your website that you guys are going to be providing breakfast, but other than that, how's that going to work? Yeah, so we're going to be having a couple vehicles with us uh, when we're traveling and, like I said, some chaperones. So really, the reason I'm going to put the meals back onto the players is because I think it just gives everyone the most amount of flexibility because we're here to worry about coaching. It's just not that easy when we're traveling. Just like if you're traveling with your parents, you know, they're not whipping up a meal for you in the hotel room. You're you're probably going to Panera Bread or Jersey Mike's or, you know, somewhere decent for dinner. And really, that's why lunch and dinner, we're going to uh, have the kids uh, choose that. But we're just going to have set designated times. We're going to take you to these places. And, of course, we're going to listen to the players and, you know, they want to have a cheat meal on a Sunday night after the tournament. Sure, fine, we'll go to In and Out or something. But uh, we're going to try to eat good and healthy, and we provide the breakfast. Um, and that's really the hope. If we get enough kids here, we can stay in these bigger homes, then we can make it more communal. And because I'm a big cooker, I love to uh, grill. I grill all my food, and I love to cook breakfast. And uh, it's one of my passions actually is cooking. So. I'm really into it uh, and just, you know, see if we can teach these kids some skills and how to be more independent. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, that's going to be the challenge too. How to eat healthy on the road and, and get the most out of your body so you can perform well. One of the challenges when you're on the road for an extended period of time like that is injury, right? Illness and injury. Um, The kids get exhausted. Uh, Sometimes, you know, just stuff happens. So again, as a parent, I have to ask, how are you guys going to deal with that if if a kid gets sick or God forbid, you know, something worse with an injury? This is stuff I experience all the time on the USC tennis team. So many random things happen with young people, uh, even myself. I mean, you just wake up with the cold one day or a cough or the flu or uh, someone's knees hurting or hip flexors tight. I mean, all these random situations. I mean, we got to make sure the, the the whole team is uh, certified in certain things like CPR. We had to do these things at USC. And I think these are really important because you just never know what might go wrong in certain situations. So we got to make sure everything that we can have control over, we, we do that. Uh, but when it comes to injuries, this is See, that's why my philosophy is a little bit different. We're not going to pound them in the ground kind of thing. Like, hey, on the first day, let's get out on the beach and run like 10 miles and, you know, mm-hmm. do all kinds of ridiculous, like, um, agility drills and run up mountains and like, let's go to Venice Beach and like, see how much we can lift and, you know, just to prove some silly point. Uh, I'm not really about that. Like, again, I said, a lot of the best players are, you know, lanky and long and flexible and pliable. And really, I want to try to see if I can improve those uh, metrics with the kids as the summer goes along and educate them in a different way that, hey, there's a whole other way of doing this. You know, we can do the the tough man mentality of just pumping iron and just trying to look good on the beach for the beach body, but try to educate them that you can have both. You know, you can uh, you can be strong, but strong just means working efficiently with your entire body. And, you know, I, I personally have learned a lot of these things from, uh, 
this book called Supple Leopard by Kelly Starrett, and he's based in San Francisco, but he's worked with a lot of Olympians, and he's really big on mobility. And if you look at a picture of this guy, he's a very strong guy, but he's also extremely flexible. And and so that got me thinking about Federer and Tom Brady. So I got really interested in Tom Brady's TB12 method with this guy, Alex Guerrero, and he's totally gone on that. And uh, in terms of just like, and he's worked with a ton of NFL players elongating their career. These guys are having better back-to-back days. And so I think that's really important when we're on the road, like to sustain a good health. These things have to take more of a priority, just how to take care of your body on the road. Because I know for a fact, a lot of kids are not drinking enough water and they're not getting enough sleep. And it sounds so basic, but most of these kids just aren't doing it because they got the phone next to their bed and they're texting till 1 a.m. And they got the phone next to their bed and they're waking up at 6 to check their Insta. And then they're, you know, they're doing the whole process again and they're drinking soda for lunch and Mountain Dew for dinner and a coffee for breakfast. And it just goes on and on and on. They're not getting enough water. So already just by doing that, they're making their muscles a little bit more dense, a little bit more uh, brittle. And so then they're not going to perform as well, you know, in the sun and out there with their bodies are going to be less flexible. So then, yeah, if we do any tough drill, like a basic drill, side to side, you know, 20 times, oh, my, my, my hip flexor hurts, you know. But a big reason is that they don't take a, uh, a focus on their fitness and their pliability. So those are the things we're going to kind of focus on from an injury preventative uh, standpoint that I think uh, gets overlooked. So we're not going to be doing any any crazy stuff. Any Most of our stuff will just be very uh, minimal and just trying to improve through that. And that's the thing I learned this summer. Just by simply doing these things, I actually – my. Uh, I became quicker on the court and I became more durable and I, and I bounced back quicker between matches. And that was very surprising to me because I never felt that before in my career. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. Okay. So West coast tennis tour.com is the website. There is a phone number at the top and I'm just going to mention it really quick. It's eight, five, eight, three, two, two, three, one, seven, one. So if any of my listeners are interested in getting more information, if you call that number, mention Parenting Aces, you will get the discount that West mentioned earlier. And Wes, what else is in the works for you? you were, you've been a busy guy since you left USC. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm into, a, I mean, the bulk of my day is really trying to help players get to where they want to go. And so also as a year-round job, I spend about three, four hours a day doing that. So if anyone wants, you know, private coaching, you know, I'm going to go to China here for six challengers in a row on February 19th to April 8th on the woman's side. And these are 15,000, 60,000. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to take some players there and it's going to be great. And I just went to South Africa for three, uh, 15,000 in a row. And I've been all over the pro circuit in the fall and, uh, all over the place. But really, if there's anyone who wants to travel privately and train with us, I'm based out here in Solana Beach in San Diego, Rancho Santa Fe, Del Mar area. And we just get after it. We try to make it a family type environment and uh, just try to see how good we can get. Uh, Other projects I'm working on are some apps for tennis. And I'm really passionate about that because I see a lot of these gaps when I'm on the road. Uh, just with uh, one in particular, which you can look out for here, that's going to be coming out here in the 
next few weeks, which is not tennis stringy, and that's going to be an app. And if you want to make some side money stringing tennis rackets or finding cheaper uh, stringing jobs when you're on the road, this is one way to do it. Because um, I'm really passionate about stringing rackets. I strung probably 5,000 plus rackets uh, in my career, and I just realized that it's a very important service when you're on the road because you, A, you want it to be cheap, you want it to be done on time, and you want it to be done uh, like it is at home. So really, there's going to be a rating system, how fast you want the turnaround service and uh, you know the bio of the actual stringer, what kind of stringing machine they're using, and hopefully for a reduction in price than what you're paying at a tournament. Because sometimes at tournaments, they have a monopoly on it and they're charging $20, $25 a racket with your own string. So uh, look out for that one. And it's spelled K-N-O-T-S, uh, tennisstringing.com, not tennisstringing. And that's really just a a play on my last name, but uh, <laughs> string. Uh, so that's one of the projects I'm excited about. And I'm working on another app, which is a competing app, uh, just getting more people to play more. Because there's some apps out there where, you know, people are, uh, you can find a practice partner. But really what I'm trying to do is uh, trying to connect people. Uh, so if someone, let's say, is a really good player, ex-college player, and played like, let's say, number one at Cal Berkeley, and they're out there, you know, working as an attorney. And he has on his uh, bio $100. Like it's a GPS map. So you're in the Bay Area and you're like, huh, I wonder who I can play for my kids in the Bay Area. And, you know, there might be a price, $20 for this guy, $50 for this guy, $200 for this guy. And you can just connect with them and agree on the price point, agree on the terms of the match and create a match um, right there. So that's another project I'm working on just to get people to compete more. We're going to have our own little ranking system through that. Um, And these are just fun ways just to get people to, you know, not take lessons and just play more. Well, let's let's take the last few minutes of this conversation and talk a little bit more about that whole idea of, you know, we're we're so drill heavy, we're so lesson heavy in this country, and and I'm not sure it's any different anywhere else in the world. Um, but you know, we've had this conversation so many times on Parenting Aces about the need for these kids to just get out and play matches. And I don't know why it's so difficult nowadays. I mean, it sounds like when you were growing up and you're a lot younger than I am, you had plenty of opportunities to play matches. I certainly had plenty of opportunities to play matches at my neighborhood club and you know, my dad would play me and his buddies, you know, they would let me join in doubles matches and stuff. So I always had people to play practice matches with. Why, why has it gotten so complicated with our juniors nowadays? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to put a negative spin on everything, but I, I think it's just simply, there's just a more tennis coaches out there, you know, I mean, or, uh, I think the number of people playing tennis are the same, but there's more tennis coaches out there. So everyone's got to make a living and simply, you know, more lessons. So in order to get court time, you need to take a lesson or it needs to be in an organized way where a coach is watching you play with someone else. So I think that's, that's the simple way of explaining it. And nothing that, that there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of the best players are doing exactly that. I mean, all of them are, I mean, they're all traveling with the coach and they're all having a coach watch every move they make and sometimes even off the court, every move they make, whether what they eat or how they sleep or what they're doing for fitness or 
you know, when they start their dynamic warm-up, all these things are coming down to a science and everyone has their own little formula for what works for them personally. And I, I do think if I had maybe more of that as a kid, I probably would have potentially became a much better player because I do believe that technique is extremely important. I'm not one of these guys who says, oh, you just got to go compete more and you'll win. Um, although it might help you, but in that long run, if you have really, really big goals, there is a certain element of a correct way of hitting and uh, being technically sound that I truly believe in, in order to hit the ball in a way that, you know, is, has some penetration. And these are just things that simply have to be taught. I don't think you're just born that way. Uh, even the most talented people learn from someone. They were watching, mimicking someone who was very, very good, whether it was on TV or they had a world-class coach in their backyard. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really big on technique. I mean, as a, as a, when I was younger in my early 20s, I, I really didn't give technique too much stock because I was you know, you're talking to a guy who grew up on the island and ended up winning the national indoors at age 16 uh, and winning sectionals, you know, as my first year in the 16s and first year in the 18s. And I thought, you know, this, you know, will you just get one more ball back? How tough can it be? But mm -hmm. once you get to the higher level of college, you start playing the SEC or ACC or Pac-12, you start realizing that all your shots come back. And just, just being a, a rabbit's, not always going to be enough. And of course, I'm not saying just go for broke and come hit swing volleys every two seconds, but there's a certain technique to that of how to strike the ball and in order to make it to land in a very accurate, tight spot over and over and over. Um, it's one thing just to plop the ball in the general vicinity, but to hit it very, very accurate, uh, I think requires a different set of skills. Um, and as long as it lies in a general framework, I think you'll do just fine. But that's what I see with the college kids. I mean, there's so many great, wonderful junior players who, you know, are getting the semifinals and nationals or round of 16 or, and they, they make a huge impact in college right off the bat. But then the next part is how, how do they get from college to the tour level? And their attitude's phenomenal. In fact, maybe even better than someone in the top 150 in the world, like in terms of like being level-headed and mature, but for some reason, they just don't have enough uh, moxie on their shots to to kind of take it to the next level. They don't have enough aggression or they're not accurate enough or they're not precise enough. And I think that's just, uh, you know, something that needs to be developed at a younger age, even though we're trying like heck at college. But, you know, we, we, we can't make a Louis Vuitton purse out of vinyl. You know, we we, we need some good leather to work with in order to make a good player. So I think, you know, many college coaches might get an unfair shake, say, well, oh, I think you can't develop in college. Well, it's like, you know, the reality is, is like we have limited hours. We can only do so much. Uh, and, and also, you know, the talent's not quite what, what you're getting for someone who's top 200 in the world. It's just not that easy. So, uh, yeah, you got all these moving parts you got to dissect. Right, right. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I'm so excited about this West Coast tennis tour idea. And if you, my listeners, if you have a kid in high school, or even already in college, I urge you to go to westcoasttennistour.com. Check out what West has put together. He's put together an incredible team that's going to be traveling and an incredible list of tournaments and, uh, kind of extracurriculars that go along with that. And I just think it's going to be a really 
great opportunity for these kids and a game changer for a lot of them. So West, again, thank you so much for my listeners. Be sure to check out the show notes. I will have links to West site and also uh, his contact information and contact information for the books that he mentions. And uh, I so appreciate everybody tuning in. West, I hope you'll come back. Yeah, thanks a lot for your time. That was very nice of you. I had a lot of fun. Oh, well, good. And good luck with the apps. As soon as those are ready, I hope you'll share that information with me so I can pass it along to the Parenting Aces crew. Great. Yeah. About saving money for stringing. Uh, I definitely ready to pass that on when it's out. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks All again. Right. Well, have a good day. Thanks, thanks you for too. Thank you. And to my okay. listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.